So I hope you'll pray for me this morning. Uh, thinking, thinking, I guess this was one of some of the thoughts that were on my mind last weekend, continue to be on there again today. And so, uh, like I said, I hope that you will pray for me. But as we start, as we start a new year, uh, I always like to, you know, seem like the first of the year, I like to kind of, kind of throw something out to everybody and, I know, I know a date on a calendar is just a date on a calendar, you know, that, uh, it's, you know, it's probably has about as much significance as whatever we put in it. Uh, but it is a new year. Uh, and as we start tackling a new year, uh, I guess one of the things that I was thinking about, I had an opportunity. In fact, I will do that again this afternoon. Uh, my nephew is, uh, is, uh, getting married here in a few months. And so I've been talking to his bride to be and his bride and, uh, his wife to be, and so anyway, talked with them last Saturday afternoon. Be talking with them again this afternoon, uh, preparing for the wedding. And uh, as we as we talked to them, uh, it dawned on me. I guess some of the things that we t- that I talk about with married couples, and some of the folks in here have had an opportunity to actually sit and talk with me about some of these kind of things in the in the past. Uh, but one of the things that I noted in there is that people. People don't change because you want them to change, you know. And so I try to tell young married couples, you know, that, that you know, you better love the one that you're about to marry because they're not going to change unless they want to change. And so you're not, you're not in other words, if you think when you get married to somebody, well, I'll fix them, you know, I'm going to fix this problem they've got. And it, this is a fixer up project, you know, well, I can tell you it won't work. <laughs> fixer up projects don't work. They're not going to change because you want them to change a certain way. But people do change because they want to change. And so I. I guess what I wanted to talk about today uh, along those lines is, is if we love the Lord, and here's the, here's the thing, if you love your spouse uh, and, and your spouse loves you, you will change. In fact, I would be, I'd be willing to guarantee you that anybody that's been married more than a few years inside, in this congregation is not the same person today that you were when you first got married. You've changed some of your habits, you've changed some of your ways, you've modified some things this way or that way, and the reason you did that was because you loved the person you were married to, and you wanted to to be more pleasing to them, to see if you couldn't do things that would please them and make them happy, and some things you just recognized over time, I got to fix this. You know, there's just some things about me that I need to modify the way I approach this, the way I do this. It causes too much trouble and so forth. And so I need to, I need to change. And so then you set about the process of change. So, uh, so here this morning, as we think about that, I want to tell you this morning that, uh, uh, many long years ago, uh, the, uh, the, our bridegroom came and died for us and we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, and he came and died for us, and he sent his spirit, uh, the spirit of God was sent into you through the new birth, and this, and this spirit of God, when you were born again, changed you. You are not the same. <laughs> you are not the same as you were in your old carnal nature and carnal way of thinking. You have changed, uh, and uh, and you could, and the and the challenge of uh, well, uh, I guess one of the, if we think about changing, uh, you know, you changed when God uh, born you of His Spirit, 
and there's a great change yet to come. Lordy, Uh, to think about that, that uh, when we'll be perfected forever uh, in his presence, there's a great change yet to come. So you get this idea, uh, you know, change is just kind of the way it is, right? People, I don't like change. (laughs) Well, I got news for you. Uh, Change is part of life. Uh, and, uh, as, uh, as you think about, you know, I, uh, I talk to young, young parents sometimes with their children and I tell them, you know, that parenting is going through changes. Uh, there's all kinds of, yeah, changing diapers. No, I'm not talking about changing diapers. Uh, I'm talking about, uh, life and raising children is about changing, uh, because the, the things you do with a one year old or a six month old, uh, uh, or, a, a little one like that that's learning to walk, it's vastly different from the things you do with a five-year-old and a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. And then the things you do with a five and a six and an eight-year-old is vastly different from what you do when they're a 13-year-old. You have to change, adjust, continually be working on how you handle things. And uh, if you think 13 is different, then wait till they're 16 or 18. And then uh, there's really changes that have to take place in the way you parent. You can't do it. You can't parent the same way when they're 16 as you did when they were six months uh, and uh, when they were five years old. It's just different. Uh, and so it's a constant adjustment, a constant tweaking of how you go about to be the most effective parent, uh, the most effective spouse. That you can be uh, the things that uh, uh, maybe things that me and my wife enjoyed when we were 25 or whatever. You know, things change when you get to be in your 60s a little bit. You know, things just change and life changes it, and you continue to move on and press forward. And that's to say, change is not and saying change change is not bad. Change is good. So so anyway, uh, now. Let's, and when I say change is good, I'm talking about us, right? I'm talking about us as, uh, as uh, parents, us as spouses, us as uh, husband and wife, all those things, all those people that we are. Change is a good thing. Now, I, I want to I throw down this anchor for you, you know, as we're, as we're talking about this morning. The Bible tells us if we turn over to the book of Malachi, because I've done a lot of talking, you say, well, Charles, you ain't, you ain't quoted a verse of Scripture yet. Well, that's okay. We'll get there. Uh, as we, uh, in, in the book of Malachi, uh, the sixth verse, and then we'll turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. But in, in Malachi chapter uh, 3, verse 6, it says, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. God is an unchanging God. The Bible says about Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, so, uh, and that's a good—that's a good thing, uh, by the way, because what that means is, of all the changes that you're going through, there's a place you can anchor down and, and say, you know what, uh, <clears throat> the God that loved me yesterday is the God that's going to love me today, is the God that's going to love me tomorrow, uh, the God that saved me from my sins and died for me on the cross and shed His blood for me, uh, and because He loved me, uh, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so 
so I've got some uh, steadying influence out there. In fact, uh, one of the names for, for our God, for Jesus Christ, is the rock. Uh, he's the rock, uh, uh, my friends. And uh, uh, even when uh, when the Lord was talking about uh, to Peter and, and told him, on this rock shall I build my church. <coughs> hey, the many, many cases where we go back and there's something solid. Now, we go back to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter uh, uh, chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, uh, uh, he tells us that a wise man is likened to this uh, uh, because he builds his house uh, on the rock. Uh, and when the storms beat uh, against, uh, against the house, uh, it'll not fail nor fall because it's built upon a rock. Uh, you and I are to build our lives upon a rock, something that doesn't move, doesn't change, uh, uh, that's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we can rely on that. Right, uh, and that's and that's something that uh, we don't have to worry about because our husband, our great our great bridegroom, uh, the uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, he's not going to get mad and divorce us one of these days. You know that, isn't that great? I mean, that's a that's a wonderful thought just to think about to know that he's not going to cast us off and he's not going to throw us away. Uh, but is us being married to him and that you know why he doesn't change? <laughs> Because he's perfect. <laughs> you and I, on the other hand, are not perfect. Uh, and he borns us of his spirit so that we can set out upon the task and uh, and think about this for a moment. He says, be ye holy for I am holy. Uh, in other words, be more righteous. Be more without sin. Why? Because I'm without sin. Be more like me. And, and what that calls upon you and me to do is to change. We have to change so that we can have a closer relationship with our Heavenly Father and with our bridegroom, uh, Jesus Christ, because change is what it's all about. I, we've already talked. And so, so my challenge for the new year for you guys is at the end of this year that you not be the same that you are today. And I don't mean get worse. <laughs> I mean that we might change in a way that's better. And so and, and so at the end of this year, I, I would like to say, and, and so how do, so the question is, okay, well, Brother Charles, you, you say as, as God's children, we're called upon to change. So how, so what do we do? And, and so some of the things that I may, I may touch upon this morning uh, and some ideas that I may give you are not unusual, not new. You know, we're not bringing some kind of new something to you this morning, but, uh, but maybe a different way of, of talking about it, right? And say, change is a part of life. Uh, if we recognize that we have to change as parents, we have to change as spouses, then, uh, then should, it, should we resist Changing being as God's children, being closer to Him and, and more loving to Him uh, and more uh, more affectionate toward Him in our lives, okay? And so that may require some change out of you and me. Let's turn over, if we can, uh, to a portion of Scripture uh, that we had looked at. I guess uh, I'm going to start in one place 
uh, and then and then go back to go back to some other other things that we have in here. But in the in the book of Second Peter, uh, chapter one, uh, several weeks ago, we mentioned and I and I after talking about this briefly, uh, quickly went over, I guess, some things that are laid out in the in this first chapter. But he tells us that we have in verse 19 a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well to take heed as a light that shineth in a dark place until the day, day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation Interpretation, yeah, easy for you to say. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So, if we're thinking about this thing of uh, taking heed to God's word, and what do we what do we do? How do we set out on this course of change? And I, I guess one of the things that I thought about is, I, you know, you, y'all may do this. Maybe I, I know I do. I sit there and when I get something on my mind and you just kind of think and you just kind of kind of spin it out into various different areas and think about various things. And I, and I thought about, uh, you know, if we think about, think about change, do you think, do you think the young man, uh, Moses, who was, uh, who was living in Pharaoh's household up until the time he was about 40 years old before he went out onto the backside of the desert uh, where he met his wife and where he became a shepherd for 40 years, where he uh, saw the burning bush and God spoke, speaking to him and telling him to go back to Egypt uh, because he was going to set his people free and all that. Do you think the young man Moses who was in the household of Pharaoh was the same Moses that ended up being up on the mountain uh, going, going and visiting God. Do you think he might have changed just a little bit? I think so. I think he had grown in his knowledge of God. Think about the young man Joseph, uh, who uh, who uh, who was so boldly told his brethren, <laughs> uh, uh, "I had a dream. I, I saw twelve stars and the sun and the moon, and they all bowed down to my star." You know, whatever. You know, uh, <clears throat> this was a. A bold young man who was telling the truth of what he had dreamed and what God had shown him, uh, but yet did it maybe in such a way that call, I know, he had to have done it in such a way it made his brothers mad at him, uh, so that his brothers wanted to get rid of him and even discussed killing him, and ended up putting him in a pit where his cousins came by and got him out of the pit, carried him down into slavery in Egypt, uh, where he uh, where he was in Potiphar's household as a servant. And then when it falsely accused of trying to uh, uh, be with Potiphar's wife, uh, was cast into prison, <clears throat> spent uh, at least three years or more in prison before uh, the, uh, the butler remembered that there was this one that knew about dreams that was down in the prison and brought him out to tell Pharaoh's dream. Uh, who then helped set the course and was put in a position to help the Egyptians set aside the prosperity of the next seven years, the, the full growth of, uh, of blessings of crops that God was going to give them over the next seven years, and then put it in storehouses so that when the seven years of famine came, they would have plenty. Uh, and when the famine came... Joseph's brothers who had sold him off into slavery in a sense or had put him in a pit where he was taken away into slavery finally came down to Egypt and there's Joseph 
standing there knowing who they are. You got to get this now. You think about this. Uh, in in the in Egypt, he would have he would have dressed like an Egyptian. Right, he would have looked like an Egyptian. He would have not looked like a like a Hebrew. He would have not looked like one of Jacob's sons. He would have looked like an Egyptian. And the Bible records for us there that as they came in and talked, he spoke to them through an interpreter, so that they didn't even know he understood every word they were saying. <clears throat> and when he finally revealed himself to them. And fell upon their necks, crying for the joy of seeing his brothers. You think he was the same young man that had bragged about that that dream that he had back in his father's household? I'm going to tell you, he changed. And that's what, that's what God calls upon us to do, is to change in ways that are good for his glory. And so uh, he tells us here in this uh, in this book of Second Peter that we're to take heed uh, uh, as a light that shineth in a dark place to his word and to his prophecies that he's given to us. And so Peter writing here in this first chapter, and we're going to, uh, there's a lot on my mind of, of looking at some things, but we'll start here at this place. Uh, he tells us uh, that Simon Peter is a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So he's talking to a people that have a like faith as him, but they have this faith through the righteousness of God. Now, if, if sometimes if we don't slow down and pay attention to what it's saying, it's telling us that we have the, the precious faith that we have because of the righteousness of God and because of, uh, of our Savior Jesus Christ. And he, and he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you uh, through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, According as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and to virtue. So uh, if we're wondering, if we, you know, somebody said, well, I don't have what I need to change, Brother Charles. The Bible tells us God has given us everything we need Right here, he tells us, grace and peace, according as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. So if you want to know how to live a better life and be more godly, God's given you everything you need. Uh, to change and to modify and to be better and to be improved, uh, to be a better uh, spouse, if you will, uh, to uh, not only in our natural marriages, uh, but to be a better part of his bride, uh, uh, to be a better spouse to our to our Savior. So he says, he's given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and to virtue. So if you ever wondered... <coughs> What has God called me to be? He's called you to glory and to virtue. Not, he, he, didn't call, he didn't call you to glory in yourself. <laughs> he called you to be to his glory uh, and to his virtue. And so he says, whereby he's given unto us exceeding and great promises uh, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. So he's given to us 
great and precious promises, and that by these you might be partakers of the divine divine nature. Through what God has given us in instruction, He's given us what we need so that we can be that word partakers. Uh, you know, I think about uh, every time I see that see that word in Scripture, I always think about being a participator, being a part of something. You know, uh, uh, you can be, uh, you can go to the football game. Uh, going to the football game is a whole lot different from being on the football team. And being on the football team is a whole lot different uh, uh, if you're sitting on the bench uh, versus being out on the field uh, and being uh, in the action, if you want to say that. So he says, God has given us through his great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. So uh, the Bible tells us that he's given us through this divine nature and through the knowledge of him and through the precious promises of God's word. What types of promises uh, uh, has he given us? Uh, Well, he's given us promises uh, that if we will follow after him, God will bless us uh, uh, and that uh, he will help us to overcome the trials and the troubles of the life that we're facing so many times that uh, I'll tell you, uh, in this world, the Bible says you shall have tribulation. We've uh, we've gone through plenty of it. Uh, uh, sometimes I sometimes I just sit down and uh, me and my, me and my wife were talking to that. I said, I, told her, I, said, I just want to quit. <laughs> I said I just want to sit home uh, and just check out uh, and get out. Uh, and I, you know, I used uh, I've heard some preachers say, well, I quit I quit preaching and I quit ministering about once a week. Well, I'm not quite that bad, but probably a few times. Times of the year, I just like, okay, that's it. I've had it. I'm out of here, you know, uh, because sometimes it seems like the trials and the troubles and the problems uh, uh, that you go through and that you face and that you encounter, you say, well, I, uh, well, Lord, I, I'm not sure I signed up for this. And, of course, he comes back and says, yes, you did, because uh, I signed you up for it, okay? And uh, uh, But sometimes you have to just face that and, and, and kind of plow through that uh, because he's given us everything we need. Uh, sometimes I have to remind remind myself uh, uh, when I'm facing something like this, you know, and I, I peel my mind back over there. Uh, the Apostle Paul telling, uh, uh, talking to the church at Corinth and saying, uh, uh, you know, that God had sent a me- that there was a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him, and he says, uh, I prayed thrice or three times that God would take this uh, messenger of Satan, uh, this thorn in the flesh, away from me. Uh, And he said, God's reply to me was, my grace is sufficient for thee. In other words, I'm not taking it away. There's something about this thorn in the flesh, uh, this messenger of Satan that's bugging you, uh, uh, or buffeting you. (laughs) I know, buffeting and bugging, probably. Uh, So this messenger of Satan that was buffeting him, uh, there was something about that that Paul needed. To probably keep him humble and to probably keep him on the right mindset, the right uh, frame of mind for his service to God. But God told him, uh, you know, it's going to bug you, it's going to buffet you, it's going to cause trouble for you, uh, but my grace is sufficient to get you through that, Paul. And that's all you need to know, uh, is that uh, it's not going away, it's not going to, it's not going to be removed you're going to have the grace you need to live with it, okay? So anyway, so he says he's given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers... 
participators on the field involved uh, with the divine nature having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. So he's, he's given us all these precious promises so that you can escape. Uh, that's the way it feels. That's, that's the way it feels sometimes, right? I, wanna, I need to escape the lust of this world and sometimes that lust is nothing more than the lust of my flesh, the lust of my mind, the lust of my, my heart. I need to escape that, but I escape that not by giving in to it. I escape that by leaning more to the divine nature, the born-again spirit part of me that God has placed within me. That's how I escape the lust that's, uh, that's, that tends to try to overcome me in my thinking and my way of looking at things uh, that tells me, uh, oh, what I need to do is get angry about this. Uh, uh, when uh, when, the, when what the Bible would tell me is uh, uh, to be more forgiving, more loving, and more charitable uh, in certain situations. So he tells us that we can do this. And he says, besides all this, he says, give all diligence. <clears throat> Have y'all ever... Y'all know, I, I know, I know many of you do, <laughs> uh, but I just want to emphasize, do you know what diligence is? I mean, that means getting after it without quitting. <laughs> diligence means staying after it. And he says, besides this, now that's a, you won't find that in Webster's Dictionary, okay? But that's the Charles Kitchen's definition of diligence is getting after it to you and not quitting, okay? And just staying after it, being diligent in, the, in that. He says, uh, besides this, give all diligence to add to your faith. God's given you faith. Uh, uh, God has given to every man a measure of faith. And I think that every man is not every single man out there. But uh, uh, the man that's been born of the Spirit of God has faith, okay? And we're to add to our faith virtue. Uh, so that's that's a change, by the way. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Uh, so if we're looking at changing this year and you're saying, well, I've got faith. If I had faith that can move mountains, well, God's given you faith. Now let's add to that virtue, which means uh, virtuous living, right living, living a more uh, honoring, God-honoring life. So we're to take that faith that God has given us and the exceeding great and precious promises that he's given us through his word and say, you know what? Living a more righteous, a more virtuous life. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of times we think, think about that, you know, especially about young ladies or whatever, you know, a virtuous young woman. You know, we go back over into the Proverbs uh, and read about the virtuous woman that was there and so forth. We're talking about somebody that's a good woman. Uh, that's a good person. Uh, and so when the Bible says to add to our faith virtue, it's talking about trying to do things good. And how are we going to do that? We're going to do that by the divine nature that God has given us. You're not going to do that by, by leaning to the, to the natural man. So, well, I, my old natural man could do that. No, your natural man is going to fail and going to get in trouble, uh, going to cause you trouble. And, and so uh, he says, uh, add to your faith virtue. And the virtue knowledge. Uh, how can you how can you be more virtuous if you don't know what it is you need to be doing? Okay, so you uh, so add to your faith uh, virtue and the virtue knowledge. Grow. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just turn do this because uh, he tells us this. The very last portion 
of this uh, book of Second Peter, where after the third chapter, he's talking about the second coming and so forth, and the fact that the earth's going to be dissolved and the, the heavens are going to melt and all these things are going to happen. And he, and he tells us about the epistles of the Apostle Paul. And he says that, you know, the, the epistles of the Apostle Paul are hard to understand. Uh, and, and even Peter said that. Also in all his epistles, verse 16 of Second Peter chapter 3, in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest... That word rest, W-R-E-S-T, talking about they're wrestling with it. They're, they're constantly twisting and turning what the Apostle Paul is saying. They rest with these things uh, as they do with other scriptures under their own destruction. <coughs> in other words, instead of taking them and just saying, you know, that's what it says and that's what, it, what he means, they're twisting and turning. People do that today too, by the way. Twist and turn the scriptures and try to make it say things it doesn't say to their own destruction. Anyway, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things, these things before, beware lest also being led away of the, with the error of the wicked, fall from the, your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory now and forever. So, <clears throat> part of this. Part of this changing that we're talking about for for another year, and and this not only when I say change for this year, really it's change for the rest of your life. It's an ongoing growth process that we just grow in the grace and the knowledge of Him and say next year, what's my goal? I want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Him, and I want to change. Why? Because I want to be a better child. I want to be a better servant. I want to be a better uh, spouse. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better church member. I want to be a better citizen of my community. And the way I do that is by taking this gift that has changed my life forever called the new birth and placed within me, I want to take that and the faith that God has given me and I want to add to the add to that faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge it tells us temperance. Uh, that word temperance, I you know, once you learn sometimes the meanings of words, you know, you're like, oh man, that's great. Uh, uh, but temperance just simply means self-control. One of the things that you can, one of the greatest things we can learn whether you're young or whether you're old or whether you're somewhere in between is learning to control yourself. You know, it's really what parents are trying to get their children to learn. Uh, they're trying to get them to learn the skill of having the wisdom to make the decisions to control themselves so that they don't get in trouble. <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter whether you're uh, uh, Brody's age or whether you're Samuel's age or, or some of the, you know, part of what the parents are teaching them over and over and over again is do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. And the reason they're doing this, uh, if you do the do's and you don't do the do nots, <laughs> then, then the, you'll, you'll stay out of trouble a little bit more. And they're training you to learn how to make good decisions because the do's are the things that are good that they want you to follow after so that your life will be better. And the same thing is true of God with His children. He's wanting to, uh, us to add to virtue, uh, which is righteousness, a knowledge that helps us support that righteousness, and then uh, uh, to add into our knowledge uh, temperance, which is 
once you've got the knowledge, then you ought to learn how to control yourself. Uh, and that's, you know, for parents, you look at that, that's about 16 or 18. <laughs> you're, you're especially wanting them somewhere along that region of age. You're wanting them to learn to control themselves because you're not going to always be there to control them. And so you're wanting them to learn to make good decisions when you're not always there to say, do not do. Do, do not, do, do not, do. Uh, you're wanting them to learn the do's and the do nots uh, uh, so that they can go out there and make some really good decisions in life without getting in trouble. <laughs> so that they don't get in trouble with the, with the law or with other people or with you or with whatever. Uh, so you, you're trying to train them this. Well, God is teaching us the same thing. He said, add to your, add to your faith. I've given you a faith now so that you can understand the word of God. You can have, you now have an ear to hear uh, and a heart to do, and he says so. So add to that of uh, uh, that faith that you have to trust him and follow after him. Add to that virtue and to virtue knowledge. Grow so that you know more about what he, what not only what he would expect of you, uh, but uh, what he's done for you. Because the more you know about what he's done for you, the more you will reverence and adore and thank him. Uh, <clears throat> we were, we were. <laughs> This is maybe not too bad, but anyway, we were having some discussions the other day, you know, and talking to some of the children, you know, and somehow or another it came up, you know, and we're, me and my wife are sometimes, we don't know how we did certain things, right? Uh, you know, how do you, how do you buy cars and provide insurance and help people pay for, uh, for, uh, for dorms and food and all? How do you do all that? And you don't, and sometimes you look back and say, I don't know how we did all that. But God gave us and blessed us to be able to do that, right? And so uh, uh, sometimes you don't know exactly how you got it done, but God blessed you to be able to get it done. And so he tells us uh, to add to our virtue knowledge uh, and to knowledge temperance, self-control. That's a gr- We're growing now in the grace and the knowledge of him growing closer to him uh, and to temperance, uh, patience, <clears throat> Boy, now you say, Brother Charles, now you just went too far now. Say patience. But I'll tell you, patience, uh, uh, patience is something uh, I'm still learning. And patience is something that you need to learn. Uh, life, life is not an event. Uh, life is a journey. And uh, so raising children uh, is made up of lots of events. Uh, but it's also a journey. Being a being a good spouse is not uh, is not the wedding day. It's a journey where you grow and you get to, and you change uh, and you change, but you still love each other <laughs> and you, and you uh, and you grow maybe even closer to each other. And but at the same time, you're not the same person they married. Hopefully, you're better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm not the same. Hopefully, I'm better than the person they married, right? And and so as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Him, we don't want to be the same. We want to change, and we want to change and be better. And so He tells us here to add to our knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience. Patience, I'll tell you, uh, will help you endure so many things. Uh, can you imagine? Uh, think, think about we were talking about uh, uh, the uh, the couple of Bible characters there a moment ago. But think about Moses having to deal with the children of Israel 
out in the wilderness. You know? And now, now, he wasn't on his patient best day, the day he came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments carved out in stone. And they were down there making golden calves and dancing and partying and worshiping that God. And Moses wasn't on the best patience day that day when he broke the Ten Commandments that God had just uh, written with his own hand uh, uh, and broke them there before God. I mean, you could say there's a symbolism to that, that the, the commandments had been broken, okay? Uh, but there's also just that picture of Moses in his anger uh, and in his uh, uh, lack of patience with that people uh, saying, I've had it, <laughs> you know, here they go again. God was, God was going to take them into the promised land. They were at that point about a year or so after they had left Egypt. But they ended up spending 40 years out in the wilderness. And time after time after trial after trial, Moses had to have patience. Now, you know, grow, growing and having more patience doesn't mean you had patience every day because the day he struck the, struck the rock instead of speaking to it, he done lost his patience again with this irreverent people out there that were making so many demands of them, okay? But you know what? I guarantee you Moses' patience was better toward the end of the 40 years than it was at the first of the 40 years. He had to grow in patience and so forth. And I'll tell you, on your journey, whether it's training children or whether it's just service to God and working in the church, and doing, you'll learn some patience, my friends. The Bible says tribulations work as patience uh, in Romans uh, 5. Uh, well, uh, it does. If, as you go through trials and troubles and problems, you're like, you know, you just don't, like, I guess like I said earlier, sometimes you just want to say, I, I pull up, I quit, you know. Uh, but somewhere along the way, you just learn to patiently endure and patiently keep continuing. So add to your add to your self-control patience, and to patience, godliness, uh, uh, and to godliness, uh, uh, living more of a godly life, add to godliness, brotherly kindness, uh, and to brother, brotherly kindness, charity. Uh, and I'm not saying that while I think this is a good step-by-step process to go through, I, I don't think it does. It means that you've got to wait till you've got all the patience in the world and all the godliness in the world to add brotherly kindness and charity into your life. But these are things that, that build on one another. But you can also be more charitable, have more brotherly kindness and more love uh, as, you, as you're going along this journey and as you're changing and loving God even more. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, change. We're talking, you know, talking about change. You know, uh, we'll we'll see, uh, and we see this. We see this in nature. Uh, but but you plant some peas out here in your garden, and what you expect them to do? Now you may have to kind of fertilize them and degrass them and uh, get the bu- spray them, get the bugs off of them and do all kinds of things, you know, to, so that they're, they're in the right environment that they need. But what you want them to do is bear fruit. And he tells us that from a fruit-bearing standpoint, if you will do these things that he's just mentioned, grow in knowledge, 
grow in virtue, add to your knowledge temperance, self-control, and patience, and godliness, and brotherly kindness, and, and charity, that you'll not be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind. Blind is dangerous. Blind is uh, lack of sight. Blind is not being able to see where you're going. Blind is not knowing whether the light's shining or whether it's dark outside. He says, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. He says there's a danger here that if you're not growing... You ever heard you ever heard the expression if you're not growing you're uh, uh, standing still is like backing up. In other words, if you're not moving forward, you're actually backing up. And uh, so if you're not growing actually in the things of God, he's telling us uh, uh, that if he that lacketh these things is blind and if, and and cannot see afar and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins there's a danger to us if we're not growing in the grace and knowledge of God and adding these things to our life you can forget how good God's been for you and to you you can kind of begin to tell I think uh, when we forget that we're purged from our old sins I think what we do is we uh, we kind of get lackadaisical about what God has done for us. And we take it for granted. That's the word I was really looking for a moment ago. We get to where we take for granted our salvation and have forgotten what great... Th- we, we forget about that, that event that happened some 2,000 years ago over there in Jerusalem. And we forget about a man that was nailed to a cross. And he wasn't he wasn't just nailed to that cross for... You know, it, we we look at it sometimes. I don't know how we how we do sometimes, but I think we forget sometimes. He was nailed to that cross for me, and I know he was nailed to the cross for you, and he was nailed to the cross for all of God's children. But he was nailed to a cross and beaten and died and shed his and gave up his life and shed his blood. Because he loved you, his spouse, his bride, and he, and, and he wants us not only to be with him and sends us his spirit through the new birth so that we can change, but he also send us, gives us his word so that we can grow and change and be more pleasing to him while we're here. And if we're not adding to these things while we're here, we forget what he's done for us. We forget what great things he's done for us. And he says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, here's that word again, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. He's not talking about going to hell, but he's talking about stumbling here in this life. God will make sure that uh, if you're if you're constantly working to add to your faith and virtue and knowledge and temperance and godliness and brotherly kindness and patience and all these things, you'll not fall into the lust of this world. You'll not fall into the traps of this world because you're working on something. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like anything else, I guess. If you're working on something... You know, it may it may take you a long time. <laughs> uh, Brother Adam learned how to learned how to build some bookcases. Took took a while. You know, he'd never built bookcases before. Uh, 
did a good job. Got him off. I got everything squared up, got it nailed up in there in his uh, in his office. Well, you know, but brother Adam, if you were go back and tear them down and build them again, they'd be even better. Yeah, and and and, and so and that's the way we that's the way we are, right? We're, God doesn't expect us to be perfection. I mean, but he expects us to try. <laughs> he expects us to try to change and grow in the grace and the knowledge of him. And he said, well, Brother Charles, I, I, I didn't quite get it done right this year. You know, Brother Adam. You know, we, we, we didn't, quite, didn't quite get it, you know, perfect there on those bookcases. Well, I didn't quite become the perfect child of God this year. That's all right. I got next year. Just keep trying. Just keep growing. Just keep changing. Because if you're trying to do these things, he says, you'll not only make your calling and election sure to you, that, you're, that, that the effort reinforces that God has worked in us both the will and the do of his good pleasure. But God, it'll also reinforce to us and, and doing all that, you shall never fall. You'll just keep saying, you know what? I, I, I stumbled today, but I'm getting up. I, I, I skipped my knee today, but I'm not going to say I'm never getting up and running again because I got a knot on my head. Boy, Oliver would never go for that one, would he? Uh, you know, you just keep on trying, keep on, keep on. Keep on and keep on. So uh, uh, he tells us here that uh, uh, take heed uh, to these things and uh, to add your faith virtue. Well, uh, I got I got a lot I could uh, I could go into, but I'm going to turn over to Ephesians uh, chapter four. Really, what I what I want to do at some point in time is I'll go back and I'll look at the entire book of First Peter, <laughs> because First Peter was where I spent a lot of time time studying uh, and looking at this. But uh, there's no way to start on First Peter at, the, at the, you know at this time. So let's turn over to Ephesians chapter four. Uh, in Ephesians chapter four, he tells us this uh, <clears throat> that uh, being being his children, he he says. Uh, let me find, find a good place to start. <clears throat> okay, let's start with verse 15. <laughs> verse, verse 15, chapter 4, Ephesians. Uh, because this is sp- talking about uh, this dual nature that we have when we're born of the Spirit of God. We're now both... Uh, a spiritual being and a natural being and this conflict that we have within us and what are we going to do? You know, well, you're, you're not, do you give in to the lust or you keep trying to grow in the grace and the knowledge of him so that you're pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? All of those things that he would have us to do, right? He says, <clears throat> the apostle Paul says this, one, he was talking about before this that God's gifts have been given so that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine uh, in this world and, and, by, and that we're not deceived by the slight and cunning and craftiness of men. And he says, what we're to do is speak the truth in love that we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So again, 
we're growing. We're to grow up into him, which is our head, which is Christ. And he says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase to the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now I know this is talking about the church, but we'll get, we'll get kind of down to the point here in a minute that the, everybody has a part that it supplies. Every one of you have a gift that you can use. Uh, that God has given you, that you've been blessed with. And so it's important for as a part of the body that you're here to supply the part that you supply. You say, well, Brother Charles, I'm not sure what part I supply. Maybe just your presence here is a part that's important, that's an encouragement to somebody else. And as we learn to uh, uh, maybe use the spiritual gifts that God has given us, and we'll preach on some of that maybe in, in coming, uh, coming months or whatever, but the spiritual gifts that we're to use and to have, that we're a blessing uh, to God's church. But he says uh, that the whole body uh, is to be edifying of, of itself in love. This I say, therefore, in testimony of the Lord, verse 17, that ye henceforth walk, walk not as other Gentiles in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Well, I'm telling you, there's a, there's a whole mouthful in that, right? That the blindness and ignorance they have toward God uh, because, they, because of the way they walk. And he says, Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard, heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man. Here's, here's growth. There's some things you have to put off. There's some things you have to put on. Uh, I've often talked about this as like, it's like changing, like changing clothes. You know, that what you need to do is put off the old man and put on the new man so that you can grow in the grace. That's change, by the way. That's what, that was the subject this morning about changing. He says, uh, if you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Uh, a lot of people use that as uh, talking to husbands and wives, uh, and that, that that's okay, but he's talking about us as God's children each and every day how we deal with one another. He says, be angry, but don't let your anger carry you to do something that's sinful. You know, uh, let's, let's just talk for a minute, right? Uh, say, well, how does that play out? Well, uh, today we see we see that play out where people people get angry, and I'll I'll, I'll say we're talking about Christians. Uh, we're talking about Christians who get angry, so angry that they go do violence against other people uh, uh, because of certain things that they're doing. Right? Well, they've let their anger carry over to sin. Right? 
God, God didn't say go out and blow up the abortion building, you know, or go out, go out and do. Uh, does it make me angry that that people are aborting uh, aborting babies and aborting uh, God, you know, children? And I say yes, it, it just infuriates me. But it doesn't mean I'm to go down there and blow up the place, okay? Or I'm try to shoot somebody or anything like that. Uh, does it anger me? Uh, uh, many other things that go on, yes. But it doesn't mean I'm to become do sinful acts in response. To their sin, okay? So he says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. I think part of that is telling us that when we let our anger get carried over that far, we're giving a place to the devil to come in and cause trouble, further trouble in our life. And so anger is something we need to be very wary of, uh, that we're maybe opening the door up to Satan and say, come on in. You know, we're giving a place to him. And he says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that that needeth. <coughs> so if you used to be a person that stole, he says, don't steal. In fact, work so that you can give to other people that might have a need. I mean, that's a total flip around, right? It's a different way of looking at it. And that's what growing in the grace and knowledge of, of God is is and growing up into Christ it's actually doing the opposite of maybe what you would have done uh, as a in your natural and your fleshly nature so it's a change for us let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers boy if all of us just took a, a yellow highlighter right and highlighted that one verse let no corrupt communications uh, proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good, <laughs> that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. If what I said just would minister uh, edification and grace to the people instead of... Uh, Maybe the way my communication comes across sometimes. That would be a challenge for all of us for this coming year. Say, let my, let my communication with my wife, with my children, with my church, with my co-workers, let my communication be edifying and gracious rather than corrupt communications. Let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, by whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Uh, don't, don't cause dis, uh, disruption in the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, rather follow the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by your actions. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How, what's forgiveness based on? A lot of times we get the idea that forgiveness is based on, uh, well, I'll forgive them when they say they're sorry. I'll forgive them when they uh, repent of what they've done. No, the Bible says that we're to be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Why did God forgive you? He did it. The only reason He forgave you is because Christ died for you and shed His blood for you. And He says that's to be the same motive that causes us to forgive someone else is because... I forgive you because God has forgiven you and Christ has died for you. That's all I need to know. It doesn't become on a lot of conditions, a lot of reasons, a lot of excuses. And if we'll do all of that, 
will grow in the grace and the knowledge of him. Well, that, there's, there's a lot, you know, there's probably a lot more I need to, to add to all this for us to grow and to change. But I want, I want to plant that seed in your mind for the coming year. Changing is a good thing. If you're changing in the right ways and you're growing in the right things and you're adding the right things to your life, change is what we should be doing. We should not be the same people at the end of this year that we are today. No more than we're the same person today. Uh, me and my wife at the, in November of this year, y'all mark this down, in, uh, in November, we will have been married 40 years. Yeah. Wow. We were, ta- we were talking about this where did 40 years go to, right? And we're not the same. We're not. Uh, I like to think sometimes, sometimes I hope I'm better. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but but we're, we're not the same. And you know what? Just because we're not the same, our love is better. Our, our relationship is better. Our knowledge of each other is better. All of those things that have changed over the last 40 years hasn't been a bad thing. It's been a good thing. Uh, so that we can actually uh, get along with each other <laughs> these days better than what we did back then. Uh, isn't that great? And that's the, way, that's the way it ought to be with our, with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We ought to change, adapt, and work to be more like Him and to be more glorified. It's not that, uh, you know, in most marriages, both people change. In this marriage, we're the ones got to change because he's already perfect. So uh, may God bless you through this coming year uh, that we grow and change in ways that makes our life more of a blessing to each other and more of a glorification to him. May God bless you as our prayer.